Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Next Pat's Podcast is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more. What's up, everybody? Welcome into the Next Pat's Podcast. I'm Phil Perry. We have a loaded episode for you. We are fresh off the practice fields for Patriots training camp. They just put their 12th practice in the books. They'll have Wednesday off. Then they'll have a preseason game against the Texans on Thursday. We're going to hit you with some stock watch observations. We've been doing our stock watch pieces every day after training camp. We're going to try to gather all the intel that we have called for those and hit you with some overall observations here on the podcast. A lot of young players to discuss when it comes to whose stock is rising. We're also going to talk about what to expect maybe on Thursday night and a little bit of good news for Patriots fans beyond the fact that Bill O'Brien is here and it looks like a professional operation. What exactly are we talking about? We're going to get to that and much, much more. We're also talking a little Malik Cunningham because we've seen quite a bit of the Patriots undrafted rookie out of Louisville on the practice fields playing his Collegiate position had primarily been working out at wide receiver, but we're going to talk about Malik Cunningham, the quarterback as well. We're talking with Lance Taylor, who was Malik Cunningham's offensive coordinator at Louisville. Great conversation lined up for you there, but let's hit you with some of our training camp observations right now. All right. So practice number 12 was a fully padded practice. Two of those in a row to kick off the week this week. Again, they'll have Wednesday off game on Thursday. Here's who's trending in the right direction for me as far as the rookies go. And if you've been following along, you're not going to be shocked to hear this. Pop Douglas continues to impress me on an almost daily basis. Now, he did muffle punt today. I think the fact that he's out there and he's returning punts at all is a good sign. The Patriots usually trying to find little special teams niches for these young players that they like and that they want on the roster. And so Douglas, of course, fits in with his skill set at that returner role. And yes, he had a down moment today as far as that goes, but he is working Early in these offensive periods, he is working with Mac Jones during some of these offensive periods. Now, I do think he hasn't gotten to the point where we will not see him on Thursday night. I think we will. But the fact that he's done as much as he has and he's contributing in these 11 on 11 periods, whether it's with Mac Jones or Bailey Zappi, that stands out. I think already you could be looking at a player who could conceivably carve out a little third down role for himself. Would you want him out there on first and second down when you have Mike Kosicki, you have Hunter Henry, you have Juju Smith-Schuster, all these big-bodied guys to play in the slot, guys that could, in theory, block in the run game as well? Maybe not. But on third down, obvious passing situations, if you want someone who can uncover quickly, help you move the chains, that looks like Pop Douglas to me. So if I had to make a 53-man roster right now, he would be on it. You know who else might be on it? I might try to find a space. For this particular player, it's Kayshawn Booty, fellow sixth-round receiver. Has Bill Belichick ended his receiver drought in the draft? Because Kayshawn Booty looks like he can play as well. He made one of the most absurd catches of training camp on Wednesday when Malik Cunningham, there's that name again, floated a pass in his direction in the back of the end zone. Cunningham left it a little bit high and a little bit behind Booty. Didn't matter. 
reached up with his right hand back behind his head, corralled the football, got down inbounds for, again, one of the more eye-popping touchdowns of training camp in 2023 for the New England Patriots. It's the body control with Booty that really stands out to me because, in my opinion, he hasn't blown anyone away with his speed nor his quickness, and he's not necessarily a leaper. I mean, you can look at some of the testing that he put together at the NFL Combine, not going to wow anyone by any stretch. But what he does in terms of his body control and understanding where the football is, where he needs to be in space to make a reception, get his feet down in bounds. We've seen him make toe-tapping catches. We've seen him make sliding catches, plucking footballs off the tops of his shoes, essentially. The one-handed OBJ light kind of reception that we saw in the back of the end zone. You know, these are things that are really difficult to pull off. It's maybe not 40 time athleticism. It might not be vertical jump athleticism, but man, this guy is coordinated. And some of the circus catches, I was trying to think of a good comp because someone asked me in this week's mailbag for NBCSportsBoston.com. If you haven't seen it yet, head on over there, answered a bunch of questions, some phenomenal queries from our readers there. But one was who's the comp for booty? Because his athletic testing was so ho-hum. And the guy who first came to mind for me in terms of maybe not wowing you with his athleticism, but being able to make ridiculous circus catches and having phenomenal hands. And again, it's still early with Booty. We'll see how consistent he can be. But the name that popped up to me first was Danny Amendola. Now, Booty's not quite so low to the ground in terms of his build. I don't think he's as quick as Amendola was. But you'll remember the just absurd catches that Danny Amendola was able to make, leaving his feet, reaching in places that you didn't think he could get to, high-pointing the football at times, and incredible hands Amendola had. So Booty's not there yet, but that's the first name that came to mind for me because that's how he's won so far in training camp, is being able to contort his body, twist and turn, leap and still make these catches that end up in his catch radius. This rookie class is looking stout between Christian Gonzalez, who I would say has not flatlined, but he's leveled out in terms of his standout plays, uh, but is consistently out there very early with defenders that you would know, making plays on the football every so often. He's in heavyweight fights, quote unquote. That's what Ross Douglas called it when Gonzalez and Parker match up in one-on-one situations or down the field contested catch situations. So he looks like he can play. Keon White looks like the first round talent that the Patriots thought he was. They considered him at 17 overall. We've talked about this on this podcast. They've used him on the edge. They've used him inside. Today, I saw him blow past Connor McDermott on the inside, it looks like. Now, is that a kosher thing to do in one-on-one reps where if you make an inside move, you might be running into a little bit of traffic in a real game situation? I don't know. That's not for me to decide, but it looked like he got past him to the point where McDermott had to hold on to him. And I would have called a hold in that particular situation, but he's been impressive in the one-on-ones. He's been impressive in the 11 on 11 periods. I saw him bull rush fellow rookie, Antonio Mafi into the backfield to pressure the quarterback. He is strong. He is athletic. He is ad- as advertised in my opinion, Marte Mapu has impressed with his versatility, still wearing the red non-contact Jersey right now. But again, talk about sub situations, the way we were about, Demario Douglas. If on third down, Marte Mapu can be your running back eraser or an option against tight ends, if you want to free up Kyle Duggar to blitz or do something else, Adrian Phillips to Brill Peppers, these guys are all interchangeable, in my opinion. And Mapu has been competent enough to be out there 
early with the defense and not only playing at the linebacker level, which is where he's been with, I would call it the regulars defensively, but then he gets out there with the reserves and you see him at free safety. So he's trending up as well. Also trending up. Let's put Antonio Mafi in that conversation because he has been filling in at guard as the Patriots are dealing now without both Cole Strange dealing with an injury and Michael Wenu, who's still on the physically unable to perform list. So interesting for Mafi to be the guy. He's the least experienced of the three rookie linemen that the Patriots drafted this year. Former defensive tackle, big bodied individual. If you want to learn more about him, listen to our conversation with Eric Galco uh, following the Patriots draft. And he talks to us about both Pop Douglas and Mafi Shrine Bowl guys. Galco, of course, is, is running the Shrine Bowl from the, the player's perspective. He's as on top of these guys as anybody, but sort of a hulking frame, a little bit. Owenui. Can we turn that into a word? Owenui in terms of his build and his profile as a player. So good for Mafi for being in there and in there consistently. And I think we're going to see him quite a bit on Thursday night. Now, uh, in terms of second year guys, uh, Jack Jones to me, really, and we understand everything he's dealing with off the field. Uh, he spoke to reporters very briefly after the in-stadium practice uh, last week, Friday night. Avoided questions, as you would expect, about uh, everything that's going on with him off the field. He said, you're always worried about your status in the NFL because this is a fluid league. Guys are in, guys are out. And so you understand that perspective from him as well. But when he's been on the field, he's played well. He's consistently getting his hands on footballs. He's out there early on the, on the boundary. You know, we understand they're relatively thin at that particular spot. They have a number of slot corners, but boundary-wise, there's not much there. And especially now that John Jones has been out the last handful of practices, unavailable. We've seen him doing some conditioning, but he has not been in uniform. Jack Jones has been out there a bunch and made another play today as we're recording this. Again, fresh off the field, but deep down the field, Mac Jones running the scout team offense. So these aren't uh, Patriots plays per se, but deep shot to Kendrick Bourne down the middle of the field. Ball is up there for grabs. It's a jump ball situation, essentially. And Jack Jones is the smaller player in that particular battle, but he goes up, he makes the play, he bats the football away, and the pass falls incomplete. So has had a strong camp. You understand why the Patriots are committing to him in the way that they have, despite everything that's going on in his life right now. Uh, we'll see what that commitment looks like once we get to mid-August here, because he is set to reappear in court in East Boston on August 18th. Let's include Trent Brown in the stock up conversation as well. We saw him participate in 11 on 11 periods for the first time in a long time. Uh, he spoke to reporters as well. So he's just been dealing with something physically that they're, they're slow playing as he works his way back into regular action very slowly. I would be stunned if we saw him on Thursday night against the Texans, but a good sign for the Patriots because they need him out there. It's I wrote about this for the Mac report on Monday of this week. The offensive line has gotten to the point in these practices, even though Mac Jones is wearing a non-red, uh, excuse me, a non-contact red jersey, that the offensive line is, is losing enough in terms of these pass rush battles and keeping the pocket clean. Uh, they are losing frequently enough to me that it's impacting the quality of the practice that the Patriots are able to have. 
Now, Mac Jones can sidestep a rusher. He can step up and avoid a rusher. But when there's two or three guys that are crowding your space because they're trying to, you know, it's really difficult to get get off a pass and and run what looks like a a typical on time in rhythm NFL pass play. So if you get Trent Brown out there more consistently, that should help as far as that goes. And you can then all of a sudden put Riley Reef at right tackle or Connor McDermott at right tackle or rotate those guys in and out. Uh, Calvin Anderson is still on the non-football illness list, but you just need to be able to get good solid reps together out there. And I, I really felt like uh, on Monday of this week, that was impacted by the Patriots pass rush, which is formidable now that Matthew Judon is out there and participating fully. Josh Uche, Dietrich Wise, Christian Barmore, these guys are all getting home and getting home fairly frequently. It's really impacted Bailey Zappi because by the time you get to his reps with the second group out there offensively, the offensive line in front of him, you know, sometimes has no chance. And therefore, Zappi has no chance. So, Brown trending up, bottom line, because we saw more of him today. They need him healthy. They need him out there, even in practice. Trending down, just in terms of the young players that we talk about quite a bit on this pod, let's put Cole Strange in there. Just It's not his fault dealing with an injury. Haven't seen him out there other than as a spectator. Uh, Fellow offensive lineman, rookie, City So, who has been playing exclusively right tackle, it appears to me. had a rough day on Monday. I had him down as 0 for 3 in the one-on-one periods. Uh, and when he does get time out there, at least what I have noticed lately, it hasn't been great. So that's something to keep an eye on. You know, is it City So? Is it second year man? Andrew Stuber out of Michigan. You know, they're trying a lot of different bodies in their tackle. I wouldn't say anybody has necessarily stood out as a stalwart on the edge. It's still been McDermott and Riley Reef uh, with the top group there and then others filling behind. You know, this is a position that if I'm Bill Belichick, I am I am scouring for talent and it's got to come via trade, because if there was a talented tackle out there on the market, uh, he would have been scooped up by now (laughs) and paid. There's a reason why these guys are so expensive, whether you're talking free agency or whether you're talking trade capital, there ain't enough of them in today's game. And so if you want one, even if it's somebody like Jonah Williams, who's a backup in Cincinnati right now, he's got one year left on his deal. You're going to have to give up something fairly valuable in that exchange to get that player on your roster because they understand how valuable a commodity he is. They could very easily, whether it's two weeks from now or week four, be dealing with an injury at tackle. And to have a capable player there as your swing guy, as your third, is incredible value. So can the Patriots figure something out there? Can they get Calvin Anderson back on the field after he's been dealing with this illness for the entirety of camp and get a competent player there now, they gave him $4 million guaranteed this offseason as a free agent. They have to, in my opinion, they have to figure out something there because they are an injury away from being in a really difficult spot. And that's without even really knowing who their starting right tackle is. So an injury, never mind two, and, and suddenly it's looking pretty ugly out there. Lastly, in terms of players trending down, I, I have to put Tyquan Thornton on this list. To me, both. Kayshawn Booty and Pop Douglas have done more than Thornton in 11-on-11 periods. I have not noticed him as a deep threat when they've done their middle-of-the-field work. They've tried to use him occasionally as a red zone threat. He does have some length. You know, even though he's very thin, you know, six foot two, six foot three, D 
decent sized target in there should be able to use him hasn't worked out particularly with Mac Jones. You know, every once in a while, does he show up with a play uh, when it's twos on twos? He does. But in terms of the physical skill set and the consistency of being a productive and reliable player out there, I have not seen it from Tyquan Thornton. Again, to me, Pop Douglas and Kayshawn Booty have shown a little bit more. Now, does that mean that those two should make the 53-man roster over Thornton? No, I'm not going there yet. And I wrote about this on NBCSportsBoston.com for our mailbag. I, you can't give up on Thornton just yet because of that physical skill set that he has. And if it clicks, he gives you something that nobody else really does. However, I would be very reluctant to part ways with or expose on waivers either Pop Douglas or Kayshawn Booty. Because to me, right now, from what we've seen these last two or three weeks, they've done more than Thornton has. And they've been on the field. And they've been, I would say, relatively consistent. It's almost a daily thing for one of those two rookies or both to make a play that that stands out, that opens your eyes. And I can't say the same has been true about Thornton. All right, let's take a, a quick big picture interlude on the podcast here to maybe shed some light on why exactly you should be encouraged by where the Patriots are offensively right now. Are they going to be a top 10 unit? Are they going to be a championship caliber unit? No, I'm not saying that just yet, but you should be encouraged by the amount they've gotten done. And we have a couple of players here that I think described that reality during press conferences this week after practice. So the first voice you're going to hear from is Bailey Zappi talking about the installation and just how far along the Patriots are at this point in the summer. And then you're going to hear an exchange that I had with Hunter Henry, sort of following up on Zappi's thoughts. It's nice that, that Zappi feels that way. And I do put stock into that. He's a smart guy. He was here last year. He saw how it went. He's telling us how it's going now. And we appreciate him for that. But Hunter Henry has a lot more experience in this league, and he understands where things typically stand in a normal offensive coaching situation in early August. And so did he concur with Zappi's assessment of where the offense sits at this point in time? How optimistic is he based on all the things that the Patriots have been able to put in to this point this summer? Let's hear from both of those players right now. First Bailey Zappi, then Hunter Henry. Yeah, the install's been doing good. I mean, we're way ahead of, you know, what we thought we were going to be at. We're, you know, we're really deep into red zone, third down, open field stuff. So I think we just got to keep stacking days and continue just improving on the plays that we have in right now. Um, I'm sure there's more install to be done, but I, I would say we're about 80%. How have you felt in terms of how things have gone in? And- oh, it's, it's, it's been good, man. This is, a, this is what training camp's about. It's about a challenge. It's about a challenge physically, but... It's a challenge mentally, you know, coming in every day, having to learn and apply what you, you know, what we put in the classroom and the meeting room. We got to apply it to the field like right away. And I think this group's done a great job of that. Obviously, there's things we got to clean up every day. That's why we come out here and practice. But yeah, there's a lot in, and I think the guys are picking it up good. But that's 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 part of training camp, man. This that's part of the grind is 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 really the mental grind now. Obviously, we got the physical grind, but. It, you know, our new CBA, we kind of backed off in, in a way. Uh, so there's a lot more, I think, mental that can translate over for the season. You guys have a smart group? 
Yeah, we have a smart group. Why? Uh, you know, I think we all get along too. I think so. We communicate well. Um, you know, there's there's guys that have we've been together for a few years. There's some guys that we've added, um, and I feel like we're communicating well. And I think when you communicate well and talk through things, how we see things, um, it's it, it's been a healthy dialogue that I think helps us go out there and just execute at a high level. That's something that I think I underplay at times is the ability for these players to figure things out behind the scenes. They're also going through walkthroughs that we don't see out on the field, but there's a lot of conversation, especially this time of year, especially during training camp where they spend so much time together and there are so many meetings that a lot can get done in sort of these dead periods that aren't out in front of the fans, aren't out in front of the media, but these little conversations, whether it's Bill O'Brien and Mac Jones, Mac Jones and his tight ends, Mac Jones and his receivers, Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi. You're talking about a number of high football IQ individuals coming together who are understanding a kind of new, kind of old system that's being implemented and or re-implemented here in New England that has a lot of similarities to what players did in 2021. And so when you have that kind of input from so many intelligent individuals, you can move at a pace that is exponentially quicker than where you were relative to a season ago. So it doesn't surprise me that the Patriots feel as though they've, they've gotten a lot done because we can see it. We've seen a, a variety of different types of runs, power runs, zone runs, inside zone, wide zone, runs out of the gun, zone read stuff with Malik Cunningham, of all people. But think about every box that's being checked right now. You know, that's, that's just the run game with all the power and the counter and the gap schemes and duo. And then you look at the passing game. The screen game looks diverse. There's been a variety of, of quick hitting, quick game types of passes that we've seen. It looks like the foundation's been laid for RPOs. You know, we've seen them throw it down the field when they're in the middle of the field. We've seen old Patriots staples like Haas, where you have your, your hitches on the outside, you have your seams in the middle. Uh, I wrote a long piece about how that concept won them the Super Bowl a few years ago against the Rams because they had a personnel grouping out there that they liked. They found some mismatches. They ran the same thing over and over again all the way down the field until Sony Michelle ended up in the end zone and they won the game. So when you've got so much going on in terms of the variety, then you can become the game plan style offense that you've wanted to be here for a long, long time. But you can't do it without having some really intelligent people to work with. So I think that's what's encouraging about the Patriots. Do they have enough talent to get to where they want to be at the end of the year? That I don't know. And especially now as we've been watching the offensive line situation and what they have at tackle, my guess would be no. But they're in a good place right now, and you're hearing it from them. It's not just us. When we're watching it out on the field play out, you're hearing from the players themselves that they feel comfortable, and that's very good news if you're a Patriots fan. All right, let's talk a little Malik Cunningham. Why don't we? Guy has been playing receiver, for the vast majority of practices that we've seen, be it in the spring or in the summer during training camp, until until 
these last couple of days, we've seen a lot more Malik Cunningham at quarterback. And then on Tuesday, he got a number of reps in 11 on 11 periods that makes me think we will see him on Thursday night. And that could be a lot of fun under the lights against the Houston Texans zone read quarterback run game, quarterback power, quarterback draw, all of these different quarterback schemed up runs that Bill O'Brien, you know, has in his bag of tricks, haven't been in Houston and leveraging that running ability from Deshaun Watson. He, he understands how to, how to make those calls. He understands how those need to function, how those need to look in order to be effective. I think we're going to see it. I think we're going to see it on Thursday. I wondered if when we saw it on Monday, it was just a way to prepare the defense for what they might see from Houston the following day. But there was something about today's practice that made me feel like uh, it was more than that. So that I do think could be some fun because with the ball in his hands, the guy is a playmaker. He was prolific at the University of Louisville and he's impressed his teammates as well. Here's Mac Jones uh, being asked about fellow quarterback, undrafted rookie out of Louisville, Malik Cunningham earlier this week. Yeah, it's awesome, man. He, uh, he's very athletic. He, he's a smart kid. He works hard and, uh, you know, he doesn't get a lot of reps, but you can see when he's in there, he's a little bit of a playmaker and, uh, you know, maybe I can take some some of his running ability and add it to my game. <laughs> All right, so I'm not sure Mac Jones is ever going to move like Malik Cunningham in the open field. But the reason this is interesting, even if it's just maybe, maybe you save a 53-man roster spot for a guy that you could have a package of plays for and you could use in an emergency situation if it came to that. Now, the emergency quarterback rules that now exist in the NFL say that you can keep three. The third has to be on the 53-man roster, though he can't be a practice squad call-up. And he has to be forced into the game. It has to be a true emergency because of injury. However, you could also just keep him on the 53-man roster, put him on the game day roster, and have him be one of your active 46. Just put him in uniform. You could use him at receiver if you needed to. You could use him at quarterback if you needed to. It's no holds barred at that point. Maybe they find a role for him on special teams. He's a good enough athlete for them to be able to do that. But why is this interesting to me, big picture? It's interesting to me for a couple of reasons. Number one, we know Bill Belichick has played around with the quarterback run game for a long time now. This is not a, a, a light dawns on marble head sort of moment for Bill Belichick. Although I'm sure people would say that because you see Tom Brady as a pocket passer here in New England for a long time. Then Mac Jones, when they use a first round pick on a quarterback, another pocket passer, guys that weren't bringing the mobility aspect to that position. There's a number of quarterbacks going back in time that the Patriots have invested in that have brought that mobility aspect to the position. Obviously, Cam Newton in 2020. But how about taking a shot on Tim Tebow years ago or letting Michael Bishop leverage his athleticism in such a way that he was one of the most exciting players in the region for a time here because of what he was able to do in some preseason action. So it's something Bill Belichick, we know, has the ability to embrace. And it's not a terrible idea, not saying that they should be getting away from Mac Jones, but if you can come up with a package of plays for Malik Cunningham, or if you are looking to add some depth to that quarterback room, whether it's the next offseason, the offseason after, or if you just see something from Malik Cunningham this offseason that makes you feel like you want to continue to work with him. Because those plays, those quarterback run plays specifically are so incredibly valuable. 
some great numbers here from Ben Solak of The Ringer. And he wrote a whole piece on this. But this to me is the portion that, that really stands out in terms of the value you can get from the quarterback run game. He says, quote, let's start with an understanding of what the raw data tells us about scrambles. Across all quarterbacks this season, scrambles are producing 0.508 EPA per play. That's expected points added, which is the second highest mark in any season since 2000. In comparison, the EPA per play of a league average pass attempt, so not including spikes, not including throwaways, is 0.212. So 0.508 versus 0.212. I know this sounds nerdy, but expected points added factors in situation, how a play is impacting winning. How valuable is it truly? We all know a 10-yard completion on third and 10 is a lot more valuable than a 10-yard completion on third and 25. So figuring out what matters within a given play is something that expected points added helps us to contextualize. So Solak continues, by expected points, scrambles are more than twice as valuable as pass attempts. It's crazy to think about. Put another way, Solak adds, Patrick Mahomes leads the league in EPA per pass attempt at 0.532. So the average quarterback scramble at 0.508 in 2022 was more valuable than any quarterback's pass attempt on average, except for Patrick Mahomes, the best quarterback in football. And even then, get this, says Solak, Mahomes' EPA per pass attempt is 0.532 and his EPA per scramble is 0.603. Mahomes is a more valuable scrambler than he is thrower, and he's the best thrower in the league, Solak says. So I think that does a good job of just painting the picture for you in terms of how valuable these plays can be. And he's talking about scrambles. So these are not designed quarterback runs. Play breaks down. You look at your first read, maybe you get to your second read, and then maybe you take off because by then there's pressure in your face. How valuable are those plays? They're more valuable on average, or they were last year at least, than the average pass attempt. Just remarkable to think about it in those terms. So that's why to me, Malik Cunningham is interesting. The idea of Malik Cunningham and the skill set he brings to that position is interesting. It's why I wanted to make sure we brought on Lance Taylor, who was Malik Cunningham's offensive coordinator last year at the University of Louisville, to talk with us about what Malik Cunningham brings to the table. And then we even go big picture on you. And we talk about mobility at the quarterback position. How necessary is it? Again, it's not something that they're getting from Mac Jones necessarily, but it's something that maybe they're interested in finding in the future, or maybe they've already found that guy, not Sam Lee Cunningham's a future starter for the New England Patriots, but maybe he's somebody who can just give them a little bit of value at that position because of what he brings to the table athletically, as well as as a passer. He gives them something as a passer. Went four for five today in practice. Ball was out on time, accurate. It looked fine. Three-step drop, five-step drop looked okay. So he's giving them something there, but then he has this whole other element that could, could potentially make him the kind of guy who wins the summer in preseason action. I have a feeling by Friday morning, New England will be abuzz with conversation about Malik Cunningham because of what they saw on Thursday night. All right, without further ado, let's get to our interview with Lance Taylor, who is now the head coach for Western Michigan, but coached in the NFL, coached with the Panthers, coached with the Jets, has had a number of gigs, including at his alma mater, Alabama, on the offensive side of the ball. So 
who better to chat with when it comes to the future of offensive football than Lance Taylor. Here's Lance. All right, there he is, head coach, Western Michigan, Lance Taylor. Lance, so much. Thanks so much for being with us here on the Next Pats podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. Excited to join you guys. We're right in the thick of things just like you. It's that time of year. It's dog days. That's what everybody tells us here. Uh, but what has been sort of nice is to have a little bit of excitement sprinkled into some of these dog days of camp out here behind Gillette Stadium with Malik Cunningham playing a lot of quarterback. And the reason we wanted to have you on, Lance, you know, you coached Malik. You know him well. You guys had a great year together last year, 2022, at Louisville. What's your reaction when you hear that over the course of the last couple of days, especially, he's been out there at that position that you had him at um, after spending really the vast majority of camp to this point and the spring as well at the receiver spot? What's your reaction when you hear that? Yeah, I'm just excited for Malik. Uh, whatever opportunity that he gets, whether it's a quarterback, receiver, you know, I think that he is, uh, one, a, a great human being. Um, he loves football. It's his passion. He works at it. He's going to be a great teammate, uh, but he's dynamic. You know, I think whatever you ask him to do, he did a great job, you know, managing our offense, um, you know, last year at the quarterback position. Um, you know, he's very much uh, like Lamar uh, in his style. Um, he is dynamic, whether he's a thrower um, or, or or a runner. Um, but I think, you know, from a coaching standpoint, it helps give you, you know, uh, uh, an advantage schematically because, you know, it's 11 or 11 football. They have to count for him as a runner. Um, and so I think that he can do some things, you know, it, it, whatever they ask him to do. I know he will be successful doing it because he's going to work hard um, and he's a great athlete. Yeah, and, and you've spent enough time in the NFL, Lance, to understand what it takes to succeed offensively at that position. And when you look at Malik, I mean, did you, did you assume, or let me put it this way. Do you feel Malik can play quarterback at the NFL level? I absolutely do. You know, I mean, I've seen him do it at a high level uh, against great competition and win big games. Um, I know he prepares the right way. Um, I think he's underrated as a passer. You know, I mean, I think, you know, we all talk about Malik being a great athlete, but I think that that, you know, undermines or, 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 you know, we don't give him enough credit, you know, in terms of arm strength, accuracy, you know, his ability to reap coverages. So I absolutely believe that he can do it. And, you know, I think that, you know, obviously some things, you know, a package uh, for, for him, it would be great. Um, and I think whether they want to use, whether you guys want to use him at quarterback or receiver, uh, I know he'll be successful. Well, clearly the Patriots wanted him. They made a real commitment to him as an undrafted player. And, you know, that versatility is something that Bill Belichick has always loved. The more you can do, that's, you know, it's practically wallpapered uh, inside the walls here at one Patriot place. What what did you see from Malik Lance as sort of a a general inside the huddle? How, how did he approach that responsibility at Louisville? Because here, obviously, he's a young guy but he's surrounded by a bunch of veterans that are trying to make a team and, and they probably haven't seen him play a ton of quarterback to this point in camp in the last couple of days. He's sort of running the show. So take us inside the huddle with Malik, if you could, and just kind of describe for us what he's like in that regard. Yeah, I mean, the first thing I'd say about Malik is he's a competitor. I mean, he is ultra competitive, wants to win, uh, is driven, uh, self-starter, but he's also a great leader and a great teammate inside the huddle. Uh, guy, he's going to make guys around him feel confident because of his confidence that he exudes um, and his preparation. And I think the confidence comes from his preparation. Uh, and, and I know he works extremely hard uh, to be detailed 
at that position. And that was one of the things when I got to, to Louisville last year as a coordinator and uh, just working with him, he was very hungry to want to know, you know, uh, what it takes to succeed at the next level. We've talked a lot about, you know, my time in Carolina with Cam Newton and, you know, what that looked like and his preparation and how he was successful and he wanted to kind of mold his game after, you know, Lamar and Cam and, you know, uh, be able to play quarterback at that level. So, um, you know, you're going to get a fiery competitor uh, and, and a competent leader. What did he show you in your time with him in terms of just his ability to, to grasp whatever it was that you, you threw at him. Because I imagine right now, and I asked Hunter Henry about this today, you know, veteran guys, been in a bunch of different offenses. I can imagine that it's overwhelming, number one, to be playing a different position at any level, but you're doing it at the pro level. You're doing it in a pretty complex offense where there's probably some new language involved, new players, all of that. But then you're also now adding the quarterback responsibilities on top of it. He has to be swimming, but you would know better than any of us, Lance. How do you think he's handling everything that's been thrown at him behind the scenes here at Gillette? Yeah, I mean, Malik is extremely intelligent and he's going to work hard at his craft. I mean, when he's not in the building, he's going to be studying. You know, and I think it's always, you know, I've had a couple of guys throughout my career, you know, coaching receivers and co- coaching that position. You know, when you take a guy who's been at the quarterback position and you move him to another position, he's always wired and trained like a quarterback. And as a quarterback, you've got to know what everybody's responsibility is. I mean, that's just, you know, we know it's one of the hardest positions to play in sports. And so I think he's always prepared like that. And so I think that, you know, that that maturation or whether he plays receiver or quarterback, he's going to prepare like a quarterback and know what he's supposed to do, you know, at all, at all levels. When you think back to your time with him on the field, What's maybe the moment that that stands out to you, Lance? Is, is there, um, I guess it could be off the field as well, but when you think back to your time with Malik and you try to think of, of who he is and, and, and what defines him as a player, is there a moment that stands out to you when you think back to your time together? Yeah, one of the first things that really struck me when, when I got to Louisville, we were, you know, in summer, you know, off-season, summer conditioning, um, and he was running with the skill guys, which most of the time, you know, uh, quarterbacks don't run with, with the skilled players. Um, and so he was running with the fastest crew. He was outrunning all of them and, in, in, you know, in our competition drills and, and gassers, which I thought was, you know, uh, you know, it, telling. And then he was also challenging the receivers and DBs to keep up with him and setting the standard. So, you know, I mean, I think that just shows you a little bit about his fiery competitiveness. Um, and his leadership capabilities. You mentioned you're around Cam Newton. I mean, talk about, you know, the playmaker of all playmakers at, at the height of his powers. Was there a moment when you were first introduced to Malik where you sort of scratched your head and said, man, this guy is is special? Was there was there something maybe he did on the practice field that just really opened your eyes as to his what his abilities really could be? Yeah, I mean, he's one of those special players that normally every practice he did something that kind of wowed you. I mean, it just, you know, whether it was, you know, a, a throw, a read, a decision, a check at the line of scrimmage, um, or pulling the ball down and, and running. And one of the things that we really challenged him with last year, you know, going into his final year, you know, um, everybody said, hey, he's a great athlete. He does well running the ball. You know, we really challenged him to take that next step as a true passer you know, and be able to, you know, stay in the pocket, make the uh, reads and decisions uh, and be on time, be better with his footwork. And, you know, he took all those challenges in stride. And so every single practice, it was really something that was like, man, this guy is special. The last thing I wanted to ask you, Lance, you you just have such a, a vast experience on the offensive side of the ball. 
big picture, when you look at the quarterback position, and even now in your position as head coach, do you feel like you have to have some mobility at the quarterback position in today's game, college or pro? Is that is that almost a requirement now, in your opinion? You know, I think the game is trending that way when you look at it, whether it's Mahomes, whether it was Cam Newton, I mean, you know, those guys. I mean, you know, I think that the game has changed a little bit. You know, I think that, you know, from an offensive standpoint and just schematic standpoint, you know, we as offensive guys want to play 11-11 and, you know, put put defenses um, strain them, you know, um, and get them in space. And I think that when you have an athletic quarterback, um, it does allow you to do some things, you know, uh, with the Q run game. And also just from a uh, pass game standpoint, when things break down, you know, those guys can ad lib and make big plays with their legs. And so I do think that the game is trending that way. I think that we've all kind of tailored, you know, um, the traditional, you know, pocket style quarterback. Uh, but I think whoever you have as you as your leader, you try to find out what they do well and then tailor your system to to those strengths. It's also interesting to me. He's, he is he is such a, a contrast compared to some of the guys that they've had here in recent memory outside of Cam. They obviously they had Cam a couple of years ago. So so clearly Bill Belichick is is open to that idea. And I think it has been for a long time, even going back uh, to the early 2000s when Tom Brady was here. They had mobile guys sitting behind Brady in the, the second or third spot there. So it's just interesting. It's fascinating to hear you talk about where the game might be going. We're always interested in that here on this podcast. Uh, also interested to hear about Malik. And you taught us a lot about Malik, Lance. So thank you so much for being with us here on Next Pats. going to be really interesting to track how Malik does during the preseason. I think we're going to be able to get some eyeballs on him. Will you be able to watch the Patriots preseason opener on Thursday night? You you're a little bit busy there at Western Michigan. I understand that, but do you think you'll be able to cut away and, and maybe get a glimpse of your guy? I'm definitely going to tune in to, to watch him. I'm rooting for him. He's a great human being. Wish him the best. Wish you guys the best in, in camp, and thanks for having me on. Thanks so much, Lance, and good luck with everything at Western Michigan this year. Thanks, Phil. Appreciate it. All right, thanks so much to Lance Taylor of Western Michigan for teaching us a little bit about Malik Cunningham, the guy that I think might end up being Thursday night's MVP of preseason game number one between the Patriots and the Texans. Just FYI, for all the Patriots Talk podcast fans out there, we will be potting following the game on Thursday night. So you'll get all of our takeaways on that podcast. Of course, you can check out our written work on NBCSportsBoston.com. And please, please, please watch all of our programming on NBC Sports Boston. But we will be potting again late Thursday night. So by the time you wake up Friday morning, there might be a fresh, hot pod right there waiting for you for your commute on the way to work on Friday. Get your weekend started off right. All right, thanks again to Lance Taylor. Thanks to you all. We love you very much. We'll talk to you next week on the Next Pats Podcast. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on the driver who treats the highway like a racetrack and the shoulder like a passing lane? Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.